so let's look, go through our notes. Let's look at some of the reasons that we have given for um, why we need to see our cell groups grow. Well, the first one is the obvious one, which is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And scripture says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is the Great Commission, which is really to make disciples. And the discipleship of new believers makes cell growth non-negotiable. New believers, as we've already heard, need a small group context of a cell to build relationship, receive quality input, and they need the church family to be part of as well. Second reason is that cell growth is the will of God. Two, uh, two portions of scripture that outline this dynamic, Colossians 2 verse 19 and also Ephesians 4 15 and 16. Colossians 2 verse 19, the second part says, concerning Christ from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So God's heart is that his body, when he's is united with Christ, is able to grow through the life that he supplies. And again, like I said at the beginning, the point of this seminar, one of the key most important elements is that you recognize your need to pursue our Lord Jesus and be his disciple. And what cell growth does is it causes you to be growing and also you to be helping others to be growing as well. Ephesians 15, 16 also kind of captures the same kind of sentiment. Third reason is the salvation of the lost makes cell growth a must. Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The unsaved need to be strategically targeted through the team dynamic of believers working together. One person can work together and win somebody. But a group of five people working together are more powerful. The scripture says, five of you shall take a hundred, but a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. When God's people unite together towards a common goal, you discover a healthy exponential dynamic of grace that allows them to do a lot more than five of them doing it on their own individually. Uh, those of you who were listening to our teachings on wisdom, we talked about the locust and the dynamic of three locusts, the potential for three locusts as a swarm being able to, over time, cover a, a fifth of the Earth's surface. That is incredible. And that's what... Um, team dynamic has the potential of. So um, the salvation of the lost makes it a must. Also, God's house needs to be full. God's house needs to be full. Now, you could say what is full, whatever container you have. Um, and uh, in Luke chapter 14, verse 23, when our Lord was given this parable, he says in verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges. 
and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Compel them, force them. That's the, that's the Greek word. Anakadzo them, force them to come in so that my house may be full. His heart is that his house is full. If you, if you see the measurement of the eternal city, you will know that uh, uh, 14,000 14, square miles is a huge thing. 14,000 cubes, actually, is huge. And so that's, that needs a lot of people in there. Amen. Also, um, another reason as why God's house needs to be full is this, because our Lord Jesus is not only concerned about his church at present, He's also concerned about the other sheep who are not already part of the fold. In John chapter 10, verse 16, he says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so this dynamic that cell growth does is it allows the other sheep to become part of the fold. Fifth reason is the development of established believers. Some of you touched on that. If there is one thing I have noticed over the years is after a while, when people are in church for a while, they become stagnant. And you can have somebody who's in church for seven years and they still see themselves as a new believer or as a young believer. You can have someone who's been in church for three years and they still consider themselves as a new believer or a young believer. I hope none of them are in this room today, in Jesus' name. But the reality is that your level of maturity is not dependent on how many days you've been in church. It's dependent on the life of Christ you have allowed to flow into and through you. Of course, you start as a new believer, but you discover in the early church, in the book of Acts, Stephen was not, even, was not even three years in the Lord when he died as a first martyr. He would have been a very young believer in our day, but he was ordained a deacon. And he was speaking to multitudes because the Spirit of God had filled him. And so what cell growth does is that, as was touched on, it allows believers to be able to contribute their gifts and talents so that the body of Christ is being built up. And, you know, at times people get it twisted with the, the concept that the only time there is legitimacy is when it's in front of the whole church. When they're doing something in front of the whole church, then it is legitimate. No, 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 no. It is legitimate when you are doing the will of God in your context, period. And again, this is what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about pursuing Christ and following him. And so what cell growth allows is that every believer has the potential to significantly contribute of what is invested in them at their level of maturity so that the body of Christ is being built up, both in a small group context and also in the wider corporate context. In the, the scripture, again, Ephesians 4.16, emphasizes this point. And then fruitfulness, number six, fruitfulness as believers. Fruitfulness as believers is another reason why cells need to grow. Our Lord says in John 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you may go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit may remain. The next point, which is often missed, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. There is a direct correlation, and certainly in my 34 plus years of pilgrimage, I have seen this. There is a direct correlation between your pursuit of discipleship in your life and in the lives of others and answers to your prayers. There is a direct correlation. He says, I have appointed you, ordained you, that you may bring forth fruit and that your fruit may remain. Now, the remaining fruit is people. It's not necessarily the fruit of the Spirit. It's not necessarily that you use your money to help the church. Of course, we want your money. Of course, we always want your money in Jesus' name to his glory. Amen. <laughs> Let's move on quickly. Um, it is to do with people that you have discipled and they have remained in the Lord. Fruitfulness is measurable in the people you have discipled. And often I like to ask people this, who are your spiritual children? You, you need to have a burden like Hannah to have spiritual children. She had a, she had a burden to have natural children, but in the spirit if you've been in the Lord for a while, you need to have a burden to have spiritual children that you have given birth to, that you have nurtured, that you have developed within the grace of God upon your life, and now they are also being fruitful. Because our Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, not one or two, abundant fruit, so we show ourselves to be disciples of our Lord Jesus. And so fruitfulness is a very important reason why cells need to grow. Growing cells leading to new cell groups allows believers to measure their ability to be fruitful through discipleship. So... As a believer, I want to challenge you to desire to have lasting fruit. Seventh reason is that growing cells become a blessing to their immediate community. We had a cell which decided to help in food banks, and once a month they'll go to food banks. Um, who was in that cell? Yeah, one or two. And, and I don't know if they're still going to food banks, even though the cell doesn't exist anymore. So that's a fantastic legacy that a cell took on this mandate to be a blessing to their immediate community by just going to food banks once a month. And even when the cell moved on because of growth and because of other factors, that legacy remained. And they're still being a beacon of light to their immediate community. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, our Lord says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown down and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and meet in a church building and nobody sees it. Or light a lamp and have meetings in the house and keep the noise down so that nobody hears it. Okay, it doesn't say that, but you might as well say that in our modern context. Light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. See, one of the things for me, whenever we have our context as church, whether it's a church service, or a small group, or a prayer meeting, if that's the context that the gathering is there, then I want to give it full, full gumption, you know. So if an unbeliever walks in, we don't, I don't tone down the prayer, because this is a prayer meeting of Holy Spirit, tongue-talking believers who like to pray a certain way. So when they walk in, they're not coming to our prayer meeting. Like they happen to open the door and peep in. It's different if they came to a prayer meeting. Then you have to kind of be sensitive. But if they happen to walk in, I like to go, yeah, gonna even more. You say, why? Because it's a prayer meeting. So the light will be too bright. So, ah, this light is too bright. If it's a service, let's say we were meeting a service and there was, a, there was glass so people could look in. Because people could look in, I want us to really be dancing and praising because it's a service. You see, you should let your light shine. Okay, I'm stretching the truth. But the point is, the point is, verse, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the light shining has to do with showing discipleship, right? Now, remember in John chapter 15, verse 8, my Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. Now, look at what our Lord says. Let your light so shine so that men may do what? Glorify your Father. And I submit to you that the way men glorify the Father is not so much to say hallelujah, praise God, is them becoming disciples. So when a church or a cell group takes responsibility to be a light to the immediate community, over time, people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. There are many things a cell can do. They can, they can go to prison and serve in prison ministry. They can um, go to old people's homes. Uh, um, I don't know if it's the right thing to say these days in the PC environment. Do we say old people's homes still? Senior citizens care Facility? <laughs> sheltered, that sounds even weird. Sheltered accommodation. Oh, senior citizens, sheltered accommodation. Sheltering from what? Bombs? I don't know. Like, anyway, the point is, there are all kinds of things that can be done. Young people, homeless, different things, children, um, people who are disenfranchised. Cell groups can target a certain vulnerability in the community. And over time, little by little, make a difference. I remember in my old church, we used to go to Cardboard City in Waterloo. It wasn't a cell, but we used to go there. We'd go there every week after service. After service, just so that we're clear. Not instead of service. 
you know, these, in this complicated age these days. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. So, no, we'll go there after service at 9.30, 10. Remember, when we go there and, uh, and, you know, experience all kinds of joys, you know. Some will say, why have you just brought, why have you just brought this? Where we won't meet, you know, you've just given us sugar. We don't need our teeth. They would make demands, and we would, and, but in the process, we would talk to them. I remember over time, because of ministering to homeless people, I'd bring some to church, and we would all sting together. We'd sting together, and people would be doing this, you know, because we came into church and we were all smelling. You know, I smelt with them because I'd allow them to hug me with their smell. That's part of being a light. Amen. I'm believing there'll be a lot of smelly uh, cell groups because they are moving with people who haven't bathed for three weeks. Amen. <laughs> Number eight, quickly. <laughs> Cells need to grow because of our love for Christ. Because of our love for Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judged us that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Because of our love for Christ, we are constrained to share the gospel. We are constrained and compelled to let people know that Jesus died for them so that they won't have to die in their sins. It's because of our love for Christ. And then also um, our love for people. Our love for people is another reason. First John 3.17 says this. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now we tend to use this scripture about natural goods, and you, so you should because that's a context. But spiritually, it's just as valid. We have certain spiritual goods. Others don't have it. If we shut our bowels of compassion for those who are lost and are not concerned about how we reach them, how does the love of God dwell in us? If our cell groups, like someone was sharing, has been meeting, there's five of us, ten of us, for the last two, three years, and there's been no conscientious effort for us to get others who do not know Jesus to come in. How can we seriously say that we are exhibiting the love of Christ? If there is no conscientious effort on our part as a church to reach out to a lost and dying world, when we have the message that we have, how can we seriously say that the love of Christ abides in us? These are some of the reasons why we need to see ourselves grow. And finally, the need for us to be witnesses of Christ in itself is why ourselves should grow. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of all the earth. When we receive the Holy Spirit, the primary reason is so that we can be representatives of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not, he doesn't come into our lives to make us feel good. That might be a byproduct, but the primary reason is so that we are representatives of Christ. I submit to you 
that we have it completely wrong. If the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives is not causing us to be outward looking and seeing others come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, then something is wrong. A growing cell allows us to answer our need to be witnesses of Jesus because it implies outreach. It means that somebody's going out, somebody's doing something. It implies outreach as his representatives. As witnesses of Christ, we will not only be committed to our immediate community, but as witnesses, we will look beyond our immediate border to other areas. And even it will cause our cell groups to have a passion for nations. I remember there was a cell that brought its members. They all paid. It wasn't the church paid for them. They, they raised the money. They paid. And they came to Ghana when I was there as a missionary with my family and spent time to help. Sabrina was one of them. You've been in some very powerful cells. There's a grace on your life. <laughs> you know. And they came. Now, I remember um, some of our members, when they've gone to other mission fields, I remember one, in one area, one of the, the pastors there said, your church says he hasn't got money, but look at all these people that are coming that the church is sponsoring. And the pastor said, no, these are members who have paid out of their own pocket. You know, the pastor, they couldn't believe it, that church members will pay their own money and go on mission field. But when you are a witness of Christ, you're willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Amen. Any questions? And then we'll talk about the hindrances. Okay. No questions. Excellent. So let's move on then in the next 10 minutes or so. So in addressing hindrances to cell growth, why cells don't grow, we have to differentiate between those things that stop cells from growing and then those factors that undermines a growing cell. So for instance, you can have a cell that is, has people coming, and so it's growing a little, but it's not growing enough. Even you can apply these things to a church. So for instance, in our church in Greenwich, we can testify in the last 18 months, we've seen a lot of people coming in, isn't it? But we can also testify that we're not seeing it represented in our corporate gatherings the way it should be. And there's a reason for that. So one of the things that I'm going to share, when I share these things, it will also help you to see how you can even help in plugging the gaps, both on the corporate level, but also more importantly in your cell context. Um, now, regardless of the leader's personal consecration, no, I didn't say that. I said it's not being represented in our corporate gatherings. So people are coming in, but we're not seeing it week in, week out on the Sunday service per se, and there's a reason for that. All right, it's okay. So what, when we talk about reasons why cells don't grow, I want to differentiate two things. One, regardless of the leader's personal consecration and commitment to the things of God or to their church, there are certain things that will still undermine their cell from growing. Because sometimes a leader will say something like this, but I'm, I am praying, I am living a holy life, I am teaching the word, so why isn't my cell growing? There is a reason. Number one, these are not in your notes. This, this, is, this, is, this is for free. Number one, a distracted leader. A distracted leader, we touch on it at other places, but a distracted leader 
will undermine the growth of their uh, cell from growing. Number two, as cell leaders lack of understanding about the vision and purpose of cells. Many cell leaders do not understand why cells exist and why they're leading cells. And because of that, it affects the growth of the cell. Number three, the cell leader not focusing or setting clearly definable goals for the cell. Clearly definable goals. So for instance, you find that cell leaders who say something like this, you know, I just want my, my cell to be a place of love. That's fantastic. You give God thanks. But that's not going to cause your cell growth. I want my cell to be, um, I want us to grow spiritually. Wonderful. Thank God for your life that you want your cell to grow spiritually. And they are growing spiritually. But uh, it's not going to necessarily mean you're going to grow numerically. Or here's another one. I want my cell to be blessed. I want my cell to be blessed. Oh, fantastic. But you see, you can be blessed doing nothing. The fact is, you're already blessed. If there is one thing that irritates me, it's when Christians have a goal to be blessed. It is a, it's like, what's wrong with you? Don't you even understand? You are already blessed. How can you have a goal? It's like saying, I want a goal to be wearing a black, uh, uh, what's this? Cardigan? Jumper. Jumper. I want a goal to be wearing a black jumper. But I've already got a black jumper. Yeah, but I just want, I like black, you see. So I want a goal to have a black jumper. It means I haven't got a lot of understanding about what even I'm wearing. Colors. Maybe I'm colorblind. Fourth reason. Lack of focused prayer by the leader for the cell for the health of the cell and for the growth of the cell. See, here's another point. You can have a cell that is very prayerful, but they won't see growth. Do you know why? Because they're not praying for growth and they're not praying for the health of the cell. So they meet and they pray for China, Japan. They pray for Iran. They pray against the presidents, the right president to come. And that's all fantastic. But it is not going to help your cell to grow if you don't have strategic prayer for growth. Over our years, I have seen it over and over again. We will start praying for growth for quite a while. For a long time, we won't see nothing. Then when we stop praying, you see the growth coming. And people never tend to make the connection. I, I made the connection because I know if I want to see growth, I have to start praying about it now. But over time, it's like sowing into something. You will see a harvest. Also, fifth reason, weak or poor follow-up of visitors and new members to the cell. Weak or poor follow-up of visitors and new members to the cell will cause a cell not to grow. Also, lack of ownership of the cell by its members. Lack of ownership. If cell members don't feel like they can buy into it, then the cell is not, it's going to be hindered from growing. And finally, a lack of outreach on behalf of the cell by its members. So these things will actually hinder your cell from growing. It will stop your cell from growing. Now, we'll touch on briefly the things that undermines a growing cell. So here, we've talked about things that hinders growth. So your cell is not growing. But then you have a situation where a cell is actually having new people coming in, 
but it's still not growing. It's seeing some measure of growth, but it's not able to keep the growth. Do you, do you get the difference? Are you struggling with the difference? If you're struggling with the difference, listen to the um, recording again. All right? <laughs> All right, so the reality is that whilst you may see people coming, because of some of these factors, and there's an overlap between the two I appreciate, but I want to highlight some of these things that will definitely undermine yourself from keeping the new people and building on it. Number one, a lack of integration of cell members to the life of the church. Often, cell leaders undermine or do not recognize the correlation between their ability to keep people long-term in the cell and those people being buying into the local church they're part of. If those who come to your cell are not affiliated, don't have an affinity to your local church, they will not last. They're not your people. They're not your people. Um, so, you know, for instance, when we plant churches, one of the things I say to the pastors planting the church, the only time you know who's yours is those who come to your Sunday service, whatever they tell you, or your main service, because in some countries it's not a Sunday. Whatever they tell you. Because until they are able to, say, come to those meetings, they're not yours. They, whatever they're telling you. Until they are committed to it, even if they can't physically come, they are committed to it. They are not yours. So here are the things. So lack of integration. This can result in disloyal members with no sense of family or allegiance to both the church and the cell. And it may ultimately result in actions that hinder the progress of the cell. For instance, our Lord says in Mark 9.40, He who is not against us is on our side. Therefore, the opposite is true. He who is against us is not on our side. But here is how you can tell. Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So one of the key ways you can tell who is with you is those who are willing to help you to grow. Secondly, another thing that will undermine growth is complaining and disgruntled cell leaders. If the cell leader is complaining and disgruntled, over time, the very growth that they are experiencing, they will lose it. They will lose it. Because it kills anointing. Complaining and murmuring kills anointing and kills the grace over a person's life. And opens the door for the enemy to have you. In 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, Paul warned in the Corinthian church says that they shouldn't be, they, they should, nor should not complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. The enemy was able to have them because they were complaining. They were complaining about leadership, they complained about their circumstance, and guess what happened? Bam. And I've seen it happen so many times. A person is doing so well, then something will happen to them, they'll become disgruntled. And then over time, their, their life of God begins to be short-circuited in their life. Thirdly, an over-commitment to other things by a cell leader. An over-commitment to other things by leaders of cells 
will undermine the growth you're experiencing. And this, this, this is because it results in a lack of focus. It results in a lack of focus for them to manage the very growth you're experiencing. So we must learn to be a person of one thing. One of the key things when we talk about how to grow yourself is learn to focus on yourself. If you find multitasking difficult, then learn to focus on yourself and stop other things. Now, for instance, let's say I have an interest in prison ministry, but I also want to lead a cell. Very simple, you marry the two. You marry the two. So this cell, we want to help prisoners. So when we meet together, we pray, we fast, we love Jesus, we study the word, but we also are reaching out to prisoners. So periodically we go to prisons. We support the prison ministry of our church. But as a cell leader, my commitment is to you guys to make sure you're growing as disciples as we focus on prison. That's how you marry the two. You don't have, I do prison ministry and then I do cell. No, 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 no. You marry the two. And this is how you approach everything. So for instance, the reason why by the grace of God I'm able to do so many things is because I've married them all under one key thing. One key thing. They all come under one umbrella. And that one umbrella is what governs and shapes what I am committed to doing. I'm not doing CLM here, CLTI there, CLF here, Greenwich here. No, they all come under one umbrella. You might want to know what that is, but that's for another teaching. Um, all right, so we're going to stop there. And the rest are there in the notes. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it when we look at some other things about what undermines growth. All right.